Hello, I'm Kate Freeman, and this is The Daily Dollop. The Daily Dollop podcast is proudly brought to you by The Capital Chemist, Australia's premium community pharmacy where loyalty matters. On this episode of The Daily Dollop, I'm chatting to Millie Thomas, an eating disorder recovery coach, about her journey with anorexia and the slippery slope of diet culture. Here's the final part. Welcome back to The Daily Dollop podcast, everyone. I'm really excited today to have a special guest with me. Joining me is the incredible Millie Thomas. Millie is a certified eating disorder recovery coach and neuro-linguistic programming practitioner. Millie battled anorexia nervosa for 15 years and is now fully recovered and providing support and guidance to other eating disorder sufferers. So in terms of like, obviously helping somebody with like managing an eating disorder, if there's sort of people listening to the show at the moment, one of the common things I've heard from definitely a lot of clients who have acknowledged that they have disordered eating practices. So they're really restrictive. And I've said to them, you know, if you're going to make improvements to your diet, I actually think you need to be eating more. I don't think you're eating enough. And if I've managed to build a a good relationship with that client, they then feel um, safe enough to say, I'm afraid of putting on weight. And so once I understand that, then I'm like, okay, that's okay. We can, you know, work really slowly to bring some balance, um, back in. But what's some advice that you use to work with people at various parts of their journey to help remove the fear of food for them? Or is that highly individualized? Oh, incredibly highly individual, as as is everything with eating disorder recovery. And I think that's why the medical model has failed in a number of ways because it definitely has its place 100%, don't get me wrong, but we really need that individualized Mm -hmm. care, that holistic care was take somebody and look at their particular situation, not tick a box and say, this person has anorexia nervosa, therefore we will do this course of treatment. It doesn't work. Then they'll come back in and we'll do the same thing. Oh, it doesn't work. We'll come back in and do the same thing because that's what we do with someone that fits in that box. Eating disorders don't fit in a box. Um, You know, for me, it's about getting people to view food differently. So food Mm. is for pleasure. Food is, yes, it's also for fuel. It's also to nourish our bodies. Um, But it is also there to just sometimes because you just feel like having an ice cream or, you know, you feel like having a cream bun or whatever it is. It doesn't have to be this calculated thing. It's um, something, you know, I mean, so much of our the way that we celebrate things and the way that we connect with people happens around food. And it's so important to be able to partake in that and to not be uh, spending our lives freaking out, uh, freaking out about it. And so um, I think I I do fair food jars with clients where we go through all of their fair foods and we do it. And then once they've done it once and I'm like, okay, then over the next couple of weeks, you've got to have that burger at least, you know, another three times. And just getting them to realize that all of a sudden, just by having certain types of foods doesn't mean your body suddenly um, starts to expand at a great rate of knots. And and also really digging deep with people and going, so what, what is this thing around weight gain? Why is this such a big issue for you? Um, Mm -hmm. Is it really the end of the world? Um, Let's look at your values versus your eating disorders values. What are your values? 
because yes. you know I think that they are aligned with much bigger things than um, than this obsession with food and weight and, and and body image. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's also, and you touched on it a few times in your story, but there's this whole problem that we have with looking at someone and having a look at their body and letting that be the only indicator of whether they're okay or not. Like I remember a client who, you know, was by the GP standards, 25 kilos overweight. And every time she went to the GP for some other health issue, he would hound her about losing weight. Um, And very blunt and not very nice about it in the way he spoke to her. And the problem was, is that she decided to do something about it because he was just like constantly on her case. So she went and did like a 500 calorie diet. So basically starvation diet that she followed. But of course, this is on the market, these kinds of diets anyway. So she's only eating 500 calories a day, practically starving herself. She's absolutely miserable, but she just feels so much pressure. She goes to the doctor to tell him, almost hoping that he'll be like, this is not healthy that you're eating like this. Do you know what I mean? This is not good. You need to go and get help. And he applauds her. Well done. Right. But if somebody in a much thinner body goes to the GP and is like, I'm eating 500 calories a day. It's then like, oh, we need to now, this person needs help. But I think it was broke my heart that this woman, just because her BMI or her weight was over what it should be, according to whatever textbook, she didn't get the help that she needed or because we'd sort of looked at the body and just decided, oh, yeah, but she's big so she can afford to starve herself. You know what I mean? And I just think where you mentioned right at the beginning where they sort of refed you and you put the weight back on and then they sort of thought, okay, you're good now, but all internally, all inside you, you were still struggling. Do you think that that's a really common problem um, that happens with people with disordered eating and eating disorders? Absolutely. I think this is what what we need to understand is that eating disorders come in all shapes and sizes. And, yes. you know, unfortunately the media tend to focus on uh, that one sort of typical image of someone with anorexia nervosa. Um, but what we know is, you know, the most common eating disorder is actually binge eating disorder. Um mm. And I would say probably 80% of my clients are not necessarily underweight. Um, And it's really, really important that we recognize that just because someone has weight restored doesn't mean, uh, as my my dear friend and colleague Claire Middleton always says, are they heart restored? And Mm. so, you know, the weight can come on, but you've also got to make sure that that's the psychological um, side of things is also at the same time being dealt with um, because yeah. those thought patterns can be there at whatever weight it is. Um, and I think it's very, very unfortunate that people in, in larger bodies are discriminated against uh, and also treated differently, you know, practitioners treat them differently. And just as you said, in terms of, oh, well, you know, being applauded for that behavior, which is actually a really, really toxic, negative behavior, just because they are in a larger body. Yeah. Breaks my heart. I just, (laughs) yeah, I couldn't believe it. And unfortunately, like definitely through our clinics, it just, it happens more and more. And sometimes what bothers me the most is that this is happening from other health professionals. So I hope there are some GPs and other allied health professionals listening that they can sort of understand that we actually need to think about the person as a whole and not just make a judgment by by what we can see. Absolutely. And there are a lot of stories like that um, in the episodes in the End Eating Disorders podcast as well um, that a lot of professionals Mm. have said have been really, really eye-opening for them as to, you know, how they can treat people going forward. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, 
one of the things that I'd love to pick your brain on and just hear your thoughts is this whole idea of, from my perspective, my job as a nutritionist is to help people maximize their diet quality. But I certainly am of the belief that food is there for, yeah, fuel, nourishment and pleasure as well. And so that's how I've always approached it. Um, But how do you think like the industry, like if we were going to promote healthy eating, but, but from the perspective that didn't spiral an individual into disordered eating practices, I don't know how we, what do we need to do? Like, what do you reckon? What are there kind of some things that you think, oh, we need to change this here, or I'd love to see that change. I think, taking a really holistic view of things, um, treating everyone as an individual rather than taking a blanket approach to yeah. stuff. I uh, really we need to change the language. No labeling things as good or bad. Food yeah. doesn't have a moral value and you're not inherently good or bad for eating a particular type of food. I think that is essential. Yeah. I think we need to really look to the messaging that we use to our younger generation. Um, And when I say that I'm talking, you know, right in preschool, how Mm. do we talk about food? How do we talk about bodies? Um, And I think it's really important to, to also model, you know, the fact that no one has any right to comment on someone else's body as well and things like that. So that we're taking that kind of emphasis off, like everybody is so different and we don't, um, we don't make judgments on people um, because of, of how they look because mm. that's, that's no indication of who they are as a person. And um, I think if we can take that emphasis off that, that we will go a long, long way in terms of, um, you know, because when I think about it at the moment, I, I worry. I worry like where are we going to be in 10 years' time with this, with diet culture as rife as it is? Mm. Like, you know, where are they, these kids that are, even the teenagers now, but especially the kids in primary school, how is this going to be for them as they mm. grow up? And then we've got things like TikTok and we, I just, it it worries me greatly. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, we get into our clinic very worryingly um, children as we have a peds dietitian and the parents are bringing them in and they're like, look at my child look how fat they are. Please help my child. And my poor pediatric dietitian is like cringing under the language. Um, and we are very clear on the fact that kids don't go on to diets, but we've had kids being put on intermittent fasting, keto diets, oh, all sorts of things. Horrific. And we're just like, okay, no, no, no. Your child needs to eat food. And, you know, I frequently talk to, you know, women over the years who – like strictly calorie counting and then they don't, they're not eating dinner because they've hit their calorie quota for the day already. So they sit at the dinner table while the rest of their family eats, like not eating. I was like, you need to model eating with your kids, like sit down, have dinner with them. The family meal is really important. <laughs> um, so I think it's, it's my generation, like my age. I'm actually not sure how close in age you are to me, but I've got, I had kids young, so they're teenagers now, but Mm. having kids and we grew up in, I grew up in diet culture, but we're, it's like we're putting it on because we think, we actually think that that's healthy now because we were educated by marketing and social media. I don't know. It's just, yeah. I agree with you. I'm scared too. <laughs> oh yeah. It's a just constantly saying to parents, just so be so, so careful about what you say. What you say and what you do and, and everything. Yeah. So if, 
someone is struggling with themselves either from a, like a disordered eating, so highly restrictive eating pattern, or maybe they're feeling like they're binge eating regularly, or even if they do suspect that maybe they do have an eating disorder or a fa- friend or family member, what would be a really great process for them to go and start either finding help for themselves or help for their, their loved one? Look, there are so many amazing, we're very privileged in Australia to have so many amazing eating disorder uh, organisations that have a wealth of resources when it comes to uh, seeking help. So obviously we have we have NDED, we have uh, the Butterfly Foundation, we have um, here in Queensland, we have Eating Disorders Queensland and it's Eating Disorders Victoria. Um, there is, um, there are so many different avenues for, for seeking out um, resources. Um, there's, an, there's the NEDC, the National Eating Disorders Collaboration. There are so many um, avenues. The uh, making one phone call um, can, you know, someone can help. I know at Indeed we give as many different resources as we possibly can. I've got recommended reading lists. Um, obviously, the podcast as well is a wealth mm. of. There's um, season. There's season one up there, and we're halfway through season two, and there's. It's such a wealth of, of, of resources up there. There's EDFA, which is Eating Disorders Families Australia, and they have, um, for I think it's $25 a year to sign up for a membership, and they have an incredible – I did a, a, a speech to their parents, um, the uh, I think, last Thursday, and that's now up in their resource library. And so they've got an entire resource library of, of helpful, um, you know, guest speakers that they have come and, and things like that. So that would be my recommendation there. Um, and then – you know, talking with people who really know who the specialists are in this area. So mm. if we're in dead, for example, we have um, a compendium of who we know are really great psychologists in this area, GPs, dietitians, because that's the key is really knowing that you're going to go to a professional who really cares and they have a passion for eating disorders, but also really in-depth knowledge of them rather than going to someone who really doesn't know what they're doing. So that can be a real key, especially if you've got a loved one who's um, a little bit hesitant to going to see someone, the last thing you mm. want to do is uh, arrange an appointment and for it to be um, negative in any way, shape or form. So yeah. um, that that's important. Also, um, you know, our, I'm sure you'll put them in the show notes, but at social media accounts that I run, those sorts of things, there's lots of helpful um, inspirational content up there. Uh, for people to to access as well, but you know, if someone is worried about their loved one and, and wanting to approach them about about it, I mean, you know, the things that I would recommend that they do is be really non confrontational. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, t- tell them that they're here for them um, and that what their concern comes from a place of love. Don't comment on their body. Comment on possibly you know the fact that they feel that they have. Um, become more withdrawn or they've noticed that, you know, their behaviours have changed and and that in itself is, you know, is is really, really important. And don't mm. let um, – just let them guide you as to what they need um, in that moment. However, obviously, uh, if you – you know, it, it, when I say that I mean in terms of sometimes I didn't want hugs, I just wanted someone to listen and sometimes I didn't want mm. any even advice, I just wanted to be able to cry – and so just hold time and space for them and, um, you know, offer to go to appointments with them and, um, and help them help them along the way. But um, the other thing I would say to carers out there is for some who's 
they're caring for a loved one with an eating disorder is remember that self-care isn't selfish and you can only be the best person to you know to support your loved one if, if you take time out for yourself yeah um and to, to support yourself yeah no that's really good so it's kind of like really aiming to sort of really assemble like you mentioned that team around you a multidisciplinary team is yeah. key to effective eating yeah. disorder recovery uh, I can't recommend that strongly enough. It's really, really important. Um, yeah. And it's, it's crucial that that team communicates because eating disorders love to split teams. Um, so <laughs> we need that team yeah. communicating and really all being on the same page in that person's recovery. Oh, I love that, Millie. I think you're doing incredible things in what is a super challenging space. Um, I certainly feel like from myself, you know, being in nutrition and just seeing this this whole darker side of dieting and wellness, it's just, yeah, it's such a shame that this is where our culture is going. But I'm i am really pleased to know that there are people like you doing such great work. I have thoroughly listened, enjoying, um, thoroughly enjoyed listening to the End Eating Disorders podcast. It's like the stories on there are so moving. I loved the one about recently about the horse therapy. Oh, they- Jane. Yes, she's incredible. She's absolutely amazing. You guys, you have to listen to this episode. So they go and it's equine therapy. That's what it's yeah, called, isn't it? Yeah, interplay and of equine therapy and narrative therapy. It's incredible. Beautiful. It was absolutely incredible. I was like, never heard of any of that before. And so I'm just learning so much through it. So, but Millie, thank you so much for sharing so openly about your story and what you do and yeah, for chatting with me today. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me on your wonderful podcast. No worries at all. Well, that's it for today's show, everybody. We will catch you in the next episode. Life's too short to live with food stress. The answer to your food woes is not trying another fad diet. Join the Healthy Eating Hub today and focus your efforts on building a healthy relationship with food that nourishes both your body and your soul. And if you or a loved one are struggling with an eating disorder, you can get in touch with Millie via the links in the show notes. And I highly recommend checking out the End Eating Disorders podcast. A big thank you to The Capital Chemist and The Daily Dollop In Crowd for their continued support of our show. We couldn't do this without them. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you love what you're hearing, please leave us a review.